Happy holidays, Guild members. We hope you are finding some time to relax. Cozy up as we bring back our mini-sode formatting and the acclaimed game we like to call Six Degrees of Education, Winter Wonderland Edition, where you get the benefits of checking out a little bit while still having the opportunity to check in on fun, relevant topics. Today, we unpack the connections between what we know about education and learning with the cinematic hit and everyone's favorite, Elf. As Buddy would say, there's room for everyone on the nice list. So don't be a cotton-headed ninny-muggins, and make sure to give this one a listen. Welcome to the Grounded Learners Guild Pop Culture Winter Wonderland. So this is an awful lot like what we did over summer for the Summer Pop Culture Playground, only this is this season's variation on it. And remember that when we do this, for any of you just joining us, or if it's been a while since those summer months, what we're doing is just having a little bit of fun here. We're just doing discussion of some binge-worthy, fun, or pop culture-relevant media content, and making some connections to our world of teams, education, and and learning. And nothing says the winter season to us like some amazing holiday films. So while we're all going to be hanging out with family, feasting with holiday festivities, we also oftentimes find ourselves engaging or entertaining our guests with these pop culture references. So we are playing a game we're calling Six Degrees of Education, where we take media like movies, films, TV shows, music, and connect it in one way, shape, or form to education. That's right, Casey. And we also want to keep the content coming. However, keeping our workloads a little lighter during the winter weeks that we have off. And so we've got a couple norms for ourselves. Keeping it under 20 minutes, that's always a challenge for us talkers, but we are going to try our best at it. And the second one is spoilers may follow. So for this particular topic, we hope you have seen this movie by now. And if you haven't, you're going to want to at some point do that before listening to this episode. Or maybe it'll just inspire you to watch Yes, so in this episode, we're going to be making some connections to one of this group's favorite holiday movies, Elf. Elf is an amazingly sweet, but also still quintessential Will Ferrell movie starring Buddy the Elf. As a young child, he crawls into Santa's knapsack and finds his way as a human being raised in the North Pole and becoming an elf. But he still wants to find his way and find his family. And so he decides as an elf to head to New York City to reconnect with the father who didn't know he existed. So it's an amazingly sweet but still Will Ferrell humor ensues. It's a great film. It's a classic. The best. My fave. So let's start with one of the first connections, first scenes where we get to see the fish out of water that is Buddy the Elf, him in Santa's workshop making toys, trying out a variety of jobs, whether it's making the jack-in-the-box to making the... Does he make a xylophone? An etch-a-sketch. Etch-a-sketch. Yeah. Yeah. Just seeing what doesn't work for poor Buddy the Elf. So what are some connections we can make here? So the first thing I thought of when I think about Buddy in the workshop is this idea of maybe looking at a need to differentiate, right? Because when you think about that, all the elves are expected to work the same way at the same speed, they're all given the same set of circumstances and everything Buddy does, like you can see how tremendously outsized he is. Nothing is designed to fit him. Nothing is working for him. He's working too slowly for everybody's taste up there and they're not accommodating his needs in any way. So my thought would be as an educator, 
we need to do something to differentiate this environment for Buddy and try to find a way to make him successful as a member of this group. So they don't, but someone should in the education world. For me, I keep thinking about, I'll share from my personal experience. As a teacher, I found it very, very challenging to teach curriculum or to teach resources that I wasn't truly invested in and passionate about. So the scene I always think of is Buddy cranking to quality oh control the jack-in-the-box. Yeah. You can tell he just hates it. It's just yes. a slog. He's terrified. And if we as systems take out pieces of our curriculum or the the moments that truly inspire us as creative educators, that's what we become. Poor Buddy the Elf waiting for the next jack-in-the-box to show up. So that's the connection that I made. If we aren't passionate or so much of our day-to-day is just a slog of checklists and we don't get to that fun piece of being able to connect with students or teach what we love, then we run the risk of being like Buddy the Elf and the Jack in the Box. So. It's so funny you say that, Casey, because for me, I was thinking, okay, not the Jack in the Box, but I was thinking of how eager he is about everything. And he, yeah. every job he puts himself at, he gives all of himself to that work. And so he's there wanting to create and he's wanting to be a part of things. And oh, gosh, you just see educators wanting to jump in. And he was definitely one of them, although he may not have fit in one size fits all. And Emily, I love, I mm-hmm. think your differentiation one is spot on right there. But I just feel like he shows up like teachers do. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Yeah. All right. Number two. Now, this particular character does not have a name. The poor credited actor <laughs> um, is only known as the Gimbal's manager. So this is the guy who, Buddy, when he comes to New York, he sees this amazing North Polian window, the spinoff of Macy's. And he becomes this worker at Gimbel's department store in their Santa Wonderland space. So there is a character known as the Gimbel's manager who's running around managing, trying to understand where all the decorations came from and just trying to run the show as best he can amid the chaos and everything that Buddy ensues. So does anyone have a connection here with Gimbel's manager? Okay, I feel like mine is a little bit of maybe a stretch because it kind of lands more in the realm of possibilities than something I've actually really have a lot of hands-on experience with. But I feel like the Gimbel's manager, when you think about the role of middle management in the world of education, you're probably looking at a building level administrator. And I feel like this Gimbel's manager is a bit of a cautionary tale of what it looks like when you don't have trust above and below. When Buddy decorates gimbals, he's like really panicky about it. Whereas like anybody else would be like, wow, look at this amazing work you're doing. He's like, somebody's out to get us. They put a plant and you know, he's like just like freaky, paranoid about everything that Buddy's doing. And then he's also worried that they're going to like get in trouble from upper management too. So it's just sort of, I guess, a caution for any of those management types and or building administrators caught in the middle to make sure that you've got a healthy level of trust with the employees that you serve, as well as the larger system that you serve. Otherwise, you're going to be running around very stressed out a lot of the time. I thought of the manager with his checklist. And he has, you know, he literally has a checklist there with a pen and he's focused so much on the work and he's focused on so much of getting tasks done and delegated. And so it speaks to that. Do we approach education from a management lens or do we approach education from an instructional leader lens? And so when you're trying to spread the spirit of Christmas, (laughs) as they're trying to do here in this store, you want the kids to experience 
the joy and the magic of everything? Or are we so worried about making sure that we have our T's crossed and our I's dotted? That moment where he is running around saying, who hears from corporate? Who's here from corporate? Who's the spy? <laughs> I always think of that's the conversation you see teachers having across the hall when the superintendent mm. or district office is on site. Like, oh my gosh, they're here. They're here. Everybody go. Where is um, So that's the first connection. But the second, I do think, too, of that administrative building level principal, assistant principal. But from the perspective, too, that oftentimes those leaders have to wear hats that they didn't intend on wearing. So when the Gimbal's manager has to step in as Santa Claus, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the poor assistant principal having to do bus duty or having to do lunch supervision or do all the other things that maybe they didn't think would be a part of their job, but are because they're there for kids and somebody's got to do it. Yeah. So, put that nice spin on the table. <laughs> all hands you know. on deck. It's, <laughs> yes. They're checking off all those well, lists, but they're yeah. doing and, it for the right and reason. And yeah. given, two, given the highly charged environment right now, even it comes from Buddy when he has that conversation of you smell like beef and cheese, you're not Santa. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's those sorts of positions, too, where those are the people who do show up, who do the hard things along with our teachers day to day that we need to recognize them as well. So as hyped up as he is, that poor Gimbal's manager has baggage mm -hmm. that I just want to help him with that baggage. All right, number three, next connection. Let's talk about the four food groups that Buddy mentions when he is sitting down to eat with his father's and his new family. Candy cane, candy corn, syrup, and candy, right? That's yeah. All of them. So what are some connections we have to this particular moment? The connection I have is just simple and a little bit stupid was again, just sometimes how we talk about the five food groups and the, the planets and just like things that we all remember because they're a part of our collective intelligence because teachers and students have focused and learned and it becomes a part of our learning culture because it's something everybody learns and does and adheres to. And a lot of times when done right, everybody just happily works with those things and remembers those things. And Buddy very eagerly lists those things off for his dad. Candy, candy corns, candy canes, and syrup. And just like, everybody knows this. But it's like more just something he's learned in the society where he was raised. So my connection just comes from my experience as a teacher. I used to have, and I think I've m mentioned it on this podcast, I used to have 23-minute lunch periods. And that included the Ooh. transportation time to and from the particular cafeteria. So for me, the connection isn't necessarily with the food groups, but with how Buddy eats, with <laughs> shoveling in food. <laughs> At a very fast rate. At a very yeah. fast rate. And that's oftentimes what happens with our poor teachers during their lunch hours. Yeah. Either they're helping students and just have to shovel in as much food as they can to sustain themselves for the rest of the day. Yeah. And <laughs> the sugar, the sugar. We need our caffeine. We need our chocolate mm. to oh get my gosh. the hard thing. Yeah. See, you are reading my mind. That goes. That's a perfect segue for mine. So mine was just thinking of all of the candy that Buddy needs to sustain himself is like the equivalent of all the chocolate and the caffeine that teachers need to sustain themselves. I wonder what the four food groups of teaching would be. Chocolate, coffee, 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 coffee mochas, frappuccinos. 
<laughs> Sorry, you can tell where all I'm the, coming in on this. Coffee the 30, cap- baby. Yeah, Emily and I used to have a coffee 30, which was one mm-hmm. thirty in the afternoon where yep, we needed right to have my some brain kind of... goes away. <laughs> yep, and it just got us through the rest of the day. It's like how Buddy has that little thing of syrup in his pocket. He brings it on. That's, that's a coffee 30. <laughs> that's coffee 30. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right, moving right along to number four. So this one, I'll start. This is the working on Christmas Eve. So this is a moment with Buddy's father. Walter. He's Walter, thank you. Walter is forced to come in to work on Christmas Eve in order to come up with a new book to launch. He's a children's book publisher, yeah. editor, executive, whatever. And he's forced to work on Christmas Eve. So me, this connection's very straightforward, very simple. It's that setting clear boundaries, making sure that we still allow ourselves time for family, all that work can wait, and just leaving us that preserved moment to be able to share in those family traditions. So super simple, but super key and important, especially now. I don't think I'm straying far from you on this one. Mine was literally just going to be the tendency that teachers have to take their work home with them Mm -hmm. and keep their work as a part of them. And I think a lot of us feel like because we work with children, that's an intended and a necessary part of what we do. A lot of people do take on that extra and bring it with them. But I do think, like you mentioned, that having a healthy set of boundaries would help. And Walter does end up setting one once he realizes that, you know, what's going on with Buddy and that he's missing. And Michael really puts it to him like, hey, you need to step in and be a part of this family. He draws that boundary and it changes his whole life and the way he works yeah. as a result. I couldn't agree with both of you more. However, I must bring it around to this the school year. I don't know when your breaks are in your roles, but our last day is the 23rd of December. I've never had to go that way. <laughs> this year is <laughs> brutal. So anyway, I won't be working on Christmas Eve, but we'll have a long winter break in January, it seems, because we're going so late this time. All right, number five. This scene is the mailroom scene. (laughs) So this is Buddy being pushed because he's annoying his father. He gets sent (laughs) to the magical world of the (laughs) mailroom and gets to engage with all the tubes and shoots and all that sort of fun stuff. So what's the connection to the mailroom and education? I have to think about the multiplier effect when I think about this scene, because the the mailroom is that, oh, this place is a little scary and everybody wants to sketch. Me, you know, <laughs> and so it is pretty sketch. But by the time Buddy has finished his day in the mailroom, there is some legitimate bonds being formed. There's a dance party. Like, yes. Buddy really changes that environment by digging in and getting to know the people around him. And he is an example of a culture multiplier who really shifts the culture to be more optimistic and all of those mailroom folks are singing at the end of the movie too it even lasts after he's not there anymore yeah that also ties into mine as well and I was just thinking of all of the opportunities that I've had whether I've really wanted to embrace them or they were certain positions or leadership roles that were thrust upon me or fell into my lap in certain ways some of them were in such a way where I felt like I don't do I really want to do this or do I really want to be here and maybe you know I'm not buddy buddy <laughs> comes at everything with with <laughs> yay full heart full, full heart, full heart, heart and positivity however what I've learned is even in those basement moments it stretches you as a professional it stretches you as a person and 
teaches you some lessons and then you can have a lot of fun along the way. There's some of the, the hardest situations I've had to be put in in my career that I'm thinking of in transition roles and the like. And it's just something that I'm grateful for. And I'm glad I took on some of those challenges in the past and I wouldn't trade them for anything. And so I just think of that in any kind of career, not just education, but be thinking about those moments where someone may be sending you to the basement. What can you learn from it? And also what fun can you have? Right. What good can you do? What good can you do when you're down there? And given time, that's a perfect segue to our last connection. And this is the tagline in the movie. This is the message at the very, very end. Because really the problem at the end of the film is Santa's sleigh doesn't run on Christmas spirit. So Buddy has to find a way to get Santa's sleigh to run. And the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. So what connections can we make between that phrase that concept and education that's the one scene in the movie where i get a little bit emotional and it's that idea of everybody needing to be a part of it and i think that what makes that scene so powerful is the most reluctant person to embrace that christmas cheer joins and there is an immediate and powerful effect when the reluctant learner, when the reluctant leader, the reluctant teacher jumps in the mix and decides that they're going to go in with both feet and try the thing. It can be so incredibly impactful and beautiful and just watching him start singing and the sleigh over his head just flies like that Mm -hmm. idea of that spirit of everybody all in, everybody in and just watching when the reluctant person finally gets it is just such a beautiful, magical thing to experience. And I see it in that movie too. Emily, you're talking about Buddy's dad. Yeah, Walter. Right. And I'm thinking about his girlfriend in that scene. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In the beginning of the movie, she's really nervous about singing in front of people, and she doesn't think her voice is the greatest. And you actually hear her in the shower singing, but Buddy finds her there. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But at the end, she's one of the first people that actually is going to step out. So yeah, while Walter is at the end being that reluctant person that really drives it home, she's that one that starts the momentum. And so sometimes it's digging deep into your own personal potential and being willing to step outside your comfort zone to do your absolute best give it a go give it a try and look where the momentum will take you and everyone else love it back to what you said about climate culture starting a movement to me jovi starts the wave but it's when michael the son the kids really chime in that starts to build up that passion and momentum in everybody else so we show up as educators every day for our students for our learners and do what we can but it's amazing when they can help inspire us so that's way to round it out beach very nice thank you (laughs) thank you So now it's time for our holiday version mini game. And this particular topic, what is, and let's choose the best to make it gamey. What is the best, aka the worst, holiday earworm? So the song that gets stuck in your head every time you hear it and you sing it over and over and over again. Oh, man. So... Mine probably won't be commonly agreed upon, and this is so pathetic. I don't even know the name of this one. It's like the one that goes, it's the holiday season, so whoop-dee-doo. <laughs> that one. <laughs> don't forget to hang up your hang socks. Up your sock. like, it's so <laughs> dumb. It's so dumb. It's just like a you nonstop. down the tube. Yes. <laughs> it is so corny. And if I hear it once, I hear it a million times, and it's always in my head for the entire season, and it sucks. <laughs> so you need to look that one up while we're in 
answering. Yeah, I'm like, who sings it? What's it called? I don't even know. But I trust me, I, I can feel sing like it. It's I just a don't classic. Know about it. It's like Frank yeah. Sinatra does it. I feel like it's it could really be really Let's test Casey chops. Yeah. All right, I can go next while Emily's looking that one up. So mine is. You guys know I'm the worst with music, but this one I actually do know that it is a Beatles song. It's the wonderful Christmas time. Aww. And it's like the ding dong, ding dong. dong. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Is it the Beatles or is that Paul McCartney? It's just Paul. On his own. Uh, oh, so, I knew I'd mess that so one up. But yeah, he, you know, he simply having a wonderful, wonderful Christmas, Christmas time. time. I uh, even messed that up. Damn it. It's all good. Whatever. Oh, and for the record, this was Irving Berlin written. Uh, it's Happy Holiday slash The Holiday Season performed by Andy Williams. <gasps> Andy Williams. There you go. Still a classic. Yes. Still, a classic. still <laughs> dumb right, and yours? still in All right. Head. So <laughs> as a child born in the 80s, I always, always get it stuck in my head. And I've had it stuck in my head this entire episode. But the George Michael, last Christmas, I gave, <laughs> gave you my heart. But then the very, very next day, you gave it away. And not like the new Glee, no. the Michelle version. No, it's the classic George Michael. <laughs> um, it's been in my head the whole time. I mean, it's so popular, right? They named a movie after it. It was the focal point in Last Christmas. (laughs) So that is my earworm. Ooh, fun fact. My family has used that as a Rickroll on my younger brother (laughs) (laughs) because he worked retail and that was always the most annoying song to him. So the first time I hear it, I'm always like calling him and like playing it on his voicemail just to like <laughs> mess with him. But that's it too. It was always playing when I worked retail. Yeah. So it always would get stuck. Yeah. I'm surprised yeah. no one mentioned Mariah Carey. Oh, but I that's like just it. Too obvious. Worst. Too obvious. That's just the worst song <laughs> in general. Sorry. But it's I like the- it. Yeah. I'm going to own it. I like that song. By January. Let's see if you still feel that way. Ooh, yep. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I love them all, so I say we all get 40,000 snowflakes. All right. Made by Buddy the Elf. Made by Buddy the Elf. Covered in maple syrup. (laughs) Perfect. So sticky. (laughs) Are we ending on that note, or are we uh, wrapping it up? (laughs) And that's a wrap for another GLG mini-sode, Six Degrees of Education. A sincere thank you for joining us on this journey as we advocate for adult learners and aim to contribute to this community with genuine conversations about education, leadership, and topics that matter to you. If you'd like to connect, you can find us on our website, thegroundedlearnersguild.com, and on Twitter at GroundedLGuild, at CVeacher, at TechCoachM, and at Jenny Labrie using the hashtag GLGPodChat. Feedback is a powerful tool that allows us to be responsive to the topics that matter to you most. If you haven't already, or are finding us for the first time, how about leaving us a review? It helps us to improve our work, allows us to bring you quality and customized content, and assists others in finding our guild as well. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you stream. That way you will be notified with a reminder when our newest episodes drop. Thanks again for joining us, Casey. Emily and me, Jenny, on this mini-sode of the Grounded Learners Guild. See you at the next Guild meeting, and in the meantime, do your best to stay grounded.